What if you really like your novel and want to take the next step? Getting published isn't easy, but it can certainly be rewarding. Let's talk about what it takes to end up with the final product. We welcome you to Rolo's Writing Room. What's up, guys? It's Marissa, and my fun fact is that I show goats at our county fair. Hello there, I'm Abby, and I have never been outside of the United States. Neither have I. Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, it's Liberty, and my fun fact is that I really hated ELA until, like, seventh grade. It just never clicked for me at all. (laughs) Before we talk about our main topic, we've got an announcement regarding where Rolo's writing room is headed. Yay! We're moving into authors and other things when it comes to ELA and what we'll be learning about, right? Like theme and point of view and all that fun stuff and our genre and, oh, and yeah. publishing about mm-hmm. Nano. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, like, Dana's over, so we're going to move away from that a little bit. Yeah, because we don't want to be a never-ending story or a record player on loop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a no-no. What do they call it? Like a broken record? Yeah. Yeah, where it just goes like... <laughs> it's a fair point. Oh, do you remember in the Polar Express how like... And there's this like little record station. By the way, the Polar Express oh, is a yeah, really like- freaky movie. I don't feel like anyone talks about that. Like it's scary and terrifying. Like the animation is really, really scary. I don't know why we watched that and thought, Oh, this is nice. This is cool. No, it wasn't. But <laughs> and the, the, they like hear the little like singing like from a oh record no. player, like the Christmas song, and it just kept playing over and over and over again. Did you guys ever have to watch that school? Mm-hmm. And then when it got to the hot chocolate scene, they hand out hot chocolate. Yep. No, yeah. like I don't think I've ever watched that movie all the way through. She Wait. was homeschooled. Oh right. <laughs> It's it's towards the end. No, not well. It's after they get off the Polar Express. Ha, ha. Oh, we got. It. Ha, ha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my brother and I loved that song when we were like two, so we would be constantly like babbling it. My parents hated that song though because we were constantly singing it. We don't have the best two-year-old voices. Now it's time for us to discuss publishing. How do we start? Yeah. Guys? So Rolo made us do a little project after Nano that consisted of writing query letters and um, what else do we do? Uh, picking justifications. out justifications. Justifications. That was on our grade, but. What was the like the little like one sentence thingy called? The synopsis? Yeah. Well, that's one of them. What was like the one that they put on top of scripts called? Logline. Uh, <laughs> The log line. line. Also that one. Yes. Okay. Oh my gosh, it's been so So long. the synopsis. What is our synopsis? Isn't it like a summary? Yeah. It's a extremely, extremely short summary. Oh, is it like the one that's like four sentences? You put it on like the book flap, I think. No, oh. that's the that's the, the that's that's the, the actual summary, isn't it? Wait, give me a second. I'm no. looking it up. I'll find it. Wanna read our log lines? Sure. Abby? Okay, then. On the verge of having your country overtaken by the largest empire in the world, 
An inexperienced girl joins the army to fight for her kingdom. Oh. When an unexpected storm sweeps over the battlefield, the army is forced to change their plans drastically, and the girl must either hold her own on the war front or all will be lost for her homeland. Oh, wow. So serious. Wow. So dark. Your book is, like, happy, though. <laughs> so serious. Or is it happy? I haven't really read the rest of it. Well, what I've heard her read is, like, comedy stuff. Yeah. Just from what I've heard. I don't know. Okay. Don't make me go. <laughs> you want me to go? <laughs> yes, please. After the Third World War is over, the world has been reduced to one city. It's split into three sectors with a forbidden neutral zone on the side. What happens when three teenagers are chosen to take a journey and find out what's hidden there? Chosen? Mm-hmm. Wow, like fancy, like cool. Uh-oh. Okay. Why did I go with the romantic novel? Don't know why I did that. Because you liked it? <laughs> yep, that's that's the <laughs> Sydney is on the verge of forever being a hopeless romantic. But as the girl he loves goes to marry a prince, they start to rekindle their childhood friendship. Sydney hopes that love can hold no bounds because Octavia seems to be very out of reach. That's it. I actually like my log line. I actually like that one. Okay. I yeah, I actually like that. Oh, do you want to read part of our uh, samples at all? Gotta find which. I one. think I read this on a chapter on like a episode before, but I'm I not don't think sure. I ever read part. Y'all can tell me if you've heard Sydney's this. I don't know. Octavia, because oh yeah, Sydney's a boy. I feel like we forget. I forget about that. Octavia's a girl because Octavia is so cute. I love her. I'm looking at my sample now. Why did I? I swear I've read this. Maybe. I swear I've read this on. Oh, my gosh. Why did I choose this, Rolo? I mean, don't worry. It's a good sample. I just don't know why I chose it out of other things. Anyone want to read? I'm looking. I'm looking. I have to read part of my sample. Oh, oh, never mind. I like the part that I chose. I thought it was a totally different moment in my book. My bad. Okay, you ready for this? <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> I don't. I swear I've already read this on here okay. before. That's why I'm like. Here we go. Wow. She looks like an angel. Her beautiful brown hair runs down her back and shimmers in the sunlight. Her skin glows and her dress makes her look like she's from a faraway land. In fact, she looks different from everyone in her family. She has five sisters and six brothers. She's the youngest. Everyone in her family has blonde hair and rich brown eyes and freckles all around their cheeks and noses. That's what her mom looks like. She takes after her father and is the only one. Her father has beautiful greenish-blue eyes and dark, full brown hair. He also has clear skin like Octavia. And the biggest thing that makes her and her father stick out is their lips. They're plump and bright red, like they had just had red velvet cake. It's weird how none of the, her siblings take after their father, only Octavia, which is why she's so popular. I've heard way more princes are coming this year, more than they've ever had. Octavia acts like she's unaware of every stare she gets, like she doesn't even understand her own beauty. It makes me angry with jealousy that a prince gets to have her. She shifts in her and opens her eyes. I turn away as my cheeks glow red with embarrassment. I really hope she didn't see me staring. Oh, please say she didn't see me. She yawns. Mmm, what a great nap. I turn back to her and smile. You hungry? Starving, she says. That's it. The king and queen have 12 children. 
yeah, they got like down. <laughs> like, <Liberty>. Dang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's the youngest. It's so cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mobby. <laughs> and like their age differences are a pretty large gap in the system. Like really large. I don't know. I think the oldest is in his late 30s and Octavia's 16. Mm. Abby, you want to go next? Okay. I might just read like one paragraph because I am proud of this paragraph. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Queen Catherine sighed and rested a hand on King Hector's shoulder. He stopped his pacing and looked up at her. Your Majesty, she began, if all of our time is spent waiting for someone else to change something that we ourselves had a chance to change, nothing would get done. Sometimes you must take the initiative and stand up to tyranny, to injustice, to hate. That, my lord, is what we are trying to accomplish today. Even if we fail, others will be motivated by our example. And so even then, this sacrifice would not have been for nothing at all. Good. Nothing at all. I love how like, serious that is. It's like... You want to go, Rissa, Rissa? Sure. I don't think I've read this part. Oh, Rissa, Rissa. If I have, it's fine. She stands in the middle of some soldiers, and I can't see what's going on. There's some struggle. Miles pushes us out of the trees and sprints towards the gate. Someone gets pushed to the ground. It doesn't take long before we make it to the gate. While covering our faces, I hear the bang. We run through and out the other side. I turn around and see them pick up her body. It's limp with blood running down her face. She must have been shot in the head, execution style, kneeling on the ground. I want to walk back through and turn myself in, have them shoot me too, torture me to death. Right now, death seems like the best option instead of dealing with this guilt. This is our fault. We didn't stop her. We didn't run in and try to save her. We were selfish. Tears come down and I I don't stop them. Come on, Ev, they'll follow us, Jay says. I have flashbacks to that one day. Come on, Evany, they're coming, Mom yelled. Blood, like the blood still on the grass that belongs to Tracy. That did belong to Tracy. The tears Jeez. keep flowing. Someone grabs my arm and pulls me. I fight it. I want to get every last glance at her before I lose her forever. The person keeps pulling. I don't budge. They march her out of my vision, and that's when I give into the force, pulling me away from her. It's Jace. We have to go, Ev, he says. I can only make myself nod. Even if I try to walk, I'll overflow even more than I already have. Miles is a few feet in front of us, and we take off running. My mind keeps saying that that didn't just happen. It can't have just happened. I will wake up in Gold Sector with Tracy sleeping right next to me. I pinch myself. Nothing happens. I close my eyes. When I open them again, I'm still in the neutral zone, running away from everything I've ever known and one of my best friends. Question, are you Team Jace or Team Miles? Oh, Jace, 100%. So I apologize if there was confusion about gray cards. We are passing them out at 2.40 today. So at 2.40, we'll dismiss to first period I don't have first period. No, but we need to talk about Vendrea. Yes, yeah, we do need to talk we about have her. a second segment. Oh, great. <laughs> anyway, a very short second segment. Yeah, very short. Uh, produ- we're going to the second segment now. Uh, love you guys. Bye. See you later. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, no, I do love you guys. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Clap on. Clap on. Clap on. Clap on. No matter how much you clap, that sucker isn't going off. The forever light bulb. Swish it, clap it, break it. It isn't going to stop. Every lasting second, the flicker won't stop. Watch yourself go crazy. The lights make sure you see it. Clap on. Clap on. Clap on. Clap on. Welcome back to Rolo's Writing Room. Today we've got a special guest with us, Wendelin Van Draan, a published author. 
But before she joins us, we'd better give you a little backstory on her. For Orillo's writing room, we got to read a book called Hope in the Mail. It tells us about how to be an author, how to be successful, and about her books. And a little mm-hmm. look into what how she created them and how she thought of them. That was my favorite part of the book, actually, was when she talked about how she got the ideas for her stories. Yeah. Yeah, I liked... I like the swear to Howdy, how she came up with that. That was funny. Um, so, you know how they told us about the hooligan story and the mm-hmm. um, Boy Scout? Yeah, I totally guessed that the hooligan, they were going to fall in love. And I was, like, totally right. Yeah, I like being right in books. They're fun. <laughs> but mystery books, oh, yeah, the Sammy Keys thing. Sammy Keys. You no, know she did write. She wrote 18 of them. I don't even know how you keep a series on for 18 books. I can barely keep one book. can't last that long. I get, like, halfway, like she said, like, the 18th chapter thing that she mentioned, like, where I get, like, only, like, halfway there. And I'm like, I'm bored. I'm mm-hmm. done. Don't want to do this anymore. Wild Bird. Oh, yeah, we Wild did read Wild Bird. Bird. So the only one that we've read is Wild Bird. But I think I'd, like, swear to Howdy. I think mm-hmm. it's funny. Well, mm-hmm. I thought the way she came up with it was cool. Uh, Wild Bird is about a girl who goes to a wilderness therapy camp. Ren Clemens? Yeah. Nice. I got it. I think, now I'm going to ask her in the third segment, that Sammy inspired Ren's character a bit. Because when I read some of uh, Sammy's description, I was like, hey, those are kind of similar. She wrote Flipped, too. Abby, you've read the book, right? Yeah, and you've watched the movie. I have watched the movie. And I've done neither. What was the girl's name in it? Julie. Julie. Did you like Bryce or Julie more? Julie. Really? I was a bigger fan of Bryce, even though he was kind of mean, especially in the Basket Boys uh, part. I thought that was funny. It wasn't funny. It was kind of embarrassing. You know when you get, like, secondhand embarrassment from watching something? You know, oh, yeah. That's not good. And it makes you, like, want to, like, turn off the TV and hide under your, like, covers to think about it. Like, that's so bad. Okay, so she did talk about how to publish. And the publishing process, t- first off, she didn't have anyone that offered to, like, you know, publish her book mm-hmm. for 10 years. She waited 10 years to get published. I would have just, if I knew it was going to be 10 years, I would have stopped. Mm-hmm. But she mentioned that she didn't stop because, what was it? Because she didn't know it was going to be 10 years, right? Yeah. And whenever she got done with a new book, she would just write another one, which to me is crazy. Like, she wrote four Sammy Keys books until, like, I think uh, How I Survived Being a Girl girl was even, like, published, which is crazy. Like, you would have to trust that first Sammy Keys, the first book, would get published. And they even mentioned that her first book, Sammy Keys and the... Uh, Hotel Thief. The Hotel Thief? Oh, yeah, because the second one's about the skeleton something. Yeah, the skeleton. But they wanted to trash that book and skip to the skeleton one. Like, that's crazy. The Skeleton Man. The Skeleton Man, right. Oh, yeah, I know that book was inspired by another funny story, too. And the Sisters of Mercy. Sisters of Mercy. She made it from a song. I know. It's cool. She just had it in her head. Weird. Authors are, like, weird. Not, like, weird mean, but, like, weird creative. We are. Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking real low. And then, but, oh, my gosh, it's crazy. And then when her first book was published, 
she had to cut it in half. Well, she had to, that editing process took forever. She had to it revise. Was almost, it, was, it was almost 600 pages. I know, but like imagine doing that. Crazy. I couldn't do that. I would, Mm-mm. I just, I would get so stressed out if someone else was looking at my writing in the first place. I get really embarrassed when people look at my writing because I have really bad spelling and grammar. I get really embarrassed and really protective over my writing. I know it's not that good of writing, but still I like to protect it because it's mine. Mm-hmm. Like, stop, you don't have to be mean about it. No, they're not being mean. They're just trying to help me, but I don't take criticism very well. <laughs> okay, so like, I just thought it's crazy that any book gets through the publishing process because it's so brutal. The yeah. editors inspect your book from every, from every angle, cut it up, put it back together again. Mm-hmm. And do you remember how like, that she went into like an editor's day-to-day life like they're busy like it's hard yeah like she wrote almost two pages of just stuff they do yeah it was crazy yeah the competition's big there's so many books Mm -hmm. and with so many books there are a limited amount of like you know little what are they called publishing firms publishing firms publishing houses publishing houses and she talked a little bit about the comma queen. Do you oh, guys remember oh, that? Oh, I wanted to talk about that, but I couldn't remember um, uh, what it was. What, what it that what it was word? Called? Yeah, yeah. Because they stressed me out. I was listening to that mm-hmm. and reading it. And I was like, nope, 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 nope. Would not let a comma. Sorry, I like backed up. No, I would not let someone ever do that to my writing. The red no. slash marks, the blood of your words drenched. Ugh, so annoying. And then how it goes through the process again and again. And sometimes the copy editors, like, they overlap each other, <laughs> right? Yeah, and they, like, contradict each other. Ugh. I remember the part where she was, uh, her, she met her editor for the first time. Oh, how she was like Snow White and she thought like she was like really tall. But then like the editor said eating disorder, which a little hurtful, not going to lie. Because when Wendelin met her, she was like, oh, Snow White. They're so different. But then again, I can relate to it because my friends have totally had a lot of misconceptions about me. Sophia, I'm looking at you. Love you. Have any of us ever talked to an author before? No, I don't think I have. I don't think I have either. But that's really exciting. I'm super excited about it. Me too. Abby, have you ever met an author? I might have. I probably just can't remember. Probably not. never like a big one whose books were popular. Well, her mm-hmm. books on Netflix? Like, that's crazy. Imagine being on Netflix. That'd be cool. If you guys could meet another author besides Wendelin, I'm very excited about it. Mm-hmm. Who would you meet? I really don't know. Like, I think Wendelin sounds like a really cool author to just, like, talk with. She seems like a really chill person. By the way, the name Wendelin, like, gorgeous. Like, beautiful. So mystical and pretty. I think i meet Neil Schutzerman. But he's cool because he wrote the Unwind books and the Scythe books. And I'm trying to think of another one. I can probably think of it. I have to go deep in my brain. I don't know right now. Who would you meet, Abby? I'm not really sure. You can pick dead people, too. I really don't know. If they were dead, I would pick Shakespeare. That man's brain is a treasure trove. (laughs) 
Someone should invent a time machine and bring Shakespeare to present day. He'd be unstoppable. Oh, man, yeah. he'd go crazy. Or take one of Greek philosophers. Man, they would, like, hash it up. Mm-hmm. I just think that the publishing system is crazy, and, like, Winland has gone through it so many times. Mm-hmm. Like, it's absolutely nuts, man. Can we talk about her car? Oh, I love that story! I thought it was a super cool story. Abby, do you remember the car? The car she had to fix up by herself? Yeah. yeah. So, she, like, was it when she, like, just turned 16? Uh, it was... Sorry. I think it, it was. It was a little after she was 16 because everyone yeah. got, like, new cars or got, like, ones that were used, but, like, you know, still cars. Yeah. She had, uh, she found three cars within her budget, and she went to look at them. And the first one she really liked, but it, like, didn't have a bottom in it. Yeah. And he was like, it's just, like, a one with a snow top, but in the bottom. <laughs> and she was yeah. like, um, No. Um, and then the next one she looked at was, like, falling apart, wasn't oh, yeah, it? it? It was, like, like smashed. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to remember. She, like, had to get through a window to sit down in it. Mm-hmm. You had to, like, climb through the window to get into it. And the third one, she calls it something. It's her, what is it? It's, like, a turkey? Yeah. Turquoise turkey? Maybe. Maybe. I don't remember. Teal turkey? I'll find it. But when they saw that car, they thought it had bullet holes in it. But it was just rust. Oh, it was really rusty. I forgot about that. Why are you sitting in my seat? And then she sanded off the rust, and she ended up with holes holes in the car. in it, because they were, like, they, like, made tools, but they were, like, makeshift tools. Still Mm -hmm. tools, but, like, makeshift style. And then they used something that was good for covering plaster wall, but then... Bondo. Bondo. But then that didn't work with the paint. And you got you have like sunken in holes, and yeah. she was going to repaint the car sky blue, and she got the paint, and it was the right color like on the lid where they like put the little uh-huh. drop or whatever, but it ended up being like bright turquoise. It was robin's egg blue. Yeah, but um, I remember what she said about that. She said, "Oh well, close enough," and like you know, it's like that false hope. Mm-hmm. You just gotta believe, man. Even though you know it's not gonna work, the amount of times are related to that. I'm like, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. It's never fine. It's <laughs> bad, but like, it's there, so it's good yeah. enough. And then she kept like hiding when she would drive. Like she would like sink down in her seat because she didn't want people to see her. And then she eventually just was like, whatever. Got used to it. Yeah. She was like, whatever. I have a car. No one's going to see her, like, flying through. <laughs> and it's kind of like how she published books. She did it. She had to work by herself. It was hard. It was messy. It was ugly. But she mm-hmm. still did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forgot about the part changing. Uh, that was funny, wasn't it? That was it? funny. It and was she got trapped under the car. Because she decided to get underneath and take the, we think it's torque. We're going with torque. torque. I don't know. Um, and it fell right on top of her. And... Bam, she was stuck. But then she wasn't clutch. stuck. It's a clutch. It's a clutch. <laughs> we were really wrong. Hey, uh, yeah, I thought I'd start with a T. T and K aren't that similar. That's right. My B. But it got stuck under, well, on top of her. So she had to pull it off. And she finally just got so done with her dad because she was like, any dad would just do it for her. Or any dad would get her the right car. 
But she mm-hmm. went in, she stomped, and he was like, oh, you got it? You did it? Man. It honestly sounds like my dad. My dad would do it himself. He, I would, a- I would ask the help. I would author helping, but he's like, nah, you'll, nah, nah. That's just his personality. But the overall message with uh, her book a lot was that she just didn't give up. Like, she mentioned a lot how she grew up in a family that didn't give up. And when mm-hmm. they, like, lost their, like, business and their dad and yeah. her brother and her mother, like, a lot. <laughs> she, she lost a lot of she people. She had lots of hardships. I know, which is crazy. Like, I've never been to a funeral before. Yeah, like, no one has died in my Two. family. That's, like, crazy to me. But, like, I'm thankful for it. Don't get me wrong. No one's died. So that's a good mm-hmm. thing. But it's still, like, crazy. Yeah, she just didn't give up. She just kept going. Mm-hmm. She kept persevering. I like that word, perseverance. Perseverance. It's a pretty word. Yes. That was the overall takeaway from her book. Yeah. Don't give up. Keep trying. You'll get persevere. there Persevere. Yeah, persevere. But now we get to meet her. Isn't that exciting? But it comes in the next segment, so you guys have to wait for a quick little ad. That's all for now, folks. We'll be joining you soon with Von Dronen. Oh, oh. Okay. Oh. okay, okay. Oh, you were recording? Yep. We asked a group of teenagers to tell us their favorite sauce. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Well, obviously, it's barbecue sauce. I didn't even think of that. Then we brought into the room Lazy Larry's Barbecue Soda, now trademarked. And you'll never guess how they react. Ah! That's my cue. Lazy Larry's Barbecue Soda. Back to Sage Wisdom with your host, Sage. Today is the 11th episode of Rolo's Writing Room and our 11th segment of Sage Wisdom. In celebration, my hair is now neon green, not even sage green. The sad expression on my face is insurmountable and my day is ruined. On a different note, today is a very special day, for we have brought world-renowned author Wendelin Van 
Drawn into the podcast. Known for plenty of books, ranging from the young adult novel The Peach Rebellion to child's book series Sammy Keys and the movie adaptation of her book Flipped, welcome Van Drawn. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank You're you welcome. for being here. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm so I'm so giddy. Um, <laughs> this is cool. So before I start asking, or before we start asking our little goofy little questions, is there any like beginning info you would like us to know? Well, I've uh, joined your podcast because I think it's awesome that you guys are young, enthused writers, and I want to encourage you to you know pursue that. So um, I've. I kind of came to writing the hard way and didn't realize what a joy it could be in your life. And um, so I always encourage, well, everyone, young people, everyone to try writing either as fun or therapy or adventure or, you know, any number, it can serve any number of purposes. So happy to be on your podcast and thanks for inviting me. I am so, we are all so happy to have you here. This is so sick. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. So, as I mentioned, you are obviously a published author with insurmountable amounts of books under your belt. For all the future authors listening, and us specifically who are learning about getting an agent, all that, like, how did you convince a publisher to hear you out? Oh, well, uh, I think that there are a variety of ways, and, and that you have read or listened to Hope in the Mail, my book on writing, it kind of showed in there or explained in there how, you know, what my process was. But I think that that really what, what the number one step in getting published is, is that you have to have a manuscript completed that sings, you know, that is that has a voice that makes it so that the person reading it just wants to read more. And, and so short, trying to shortcut that to go, okay, well, I had this idea for a book and I want to figure out how to get an agent to get it published when you haven't actually written the book yet, that's the wrong path. It's like you should write for the joy of writing and then you should revise for the joy of, of making your writing be the very best it can be. And then you should start thinking about looking for an agent, looking for an editor. And that process, it, it's... Um, it can be tough, but I think that what what I have found people um, in the industry say is they are looking for a voice. So you want to make sure that what you write has a voice that the person reading it likes the characters, wants to read more about them. So mm-hmm. I would say that's the number one thing is, is get your voice, figure out what your voice is or your character's voice is, and then really, and then really embrace that voice and, and write in it. Ten years tough, apparently. Wow, I don't know how you'd be able to do it just waiting and waiting. Well, you didn't really know, so that, as you said in your book, that's what kept you going, Mm -hmm. which is crazy to me. So I have to... Well, see, that's because, you know, you're not... That's the majority of your lifetime right there when you look at it that way. But I think that the the point here is that I I obviously discovered that I love to write, and I kept doing it, and... I kept, and that's why the name of the book is Hope in the Mail, because I kept putting hope in the mail. I kept putting my work out there um, and creating the possibility that someone could say yes to me. So, so, and I didn't know day to day that I wouldn't get a yes today, right? So every day I thought, well, maybe there'll be some good news in my mailbox. Today's the day. Um, like, yeah. Mindset. And I didn't know it was going to be 10 years, but 
you know, I'm glad I didn't give up. I'm glad I continued to put hope in the mail and continue to feel like today could be the day. Wow. Whoa. Do you guys have any other comments, questions, concerns? Oh, Liberty. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I have a question. So is um, Ren based on Sammy Keys at all? No, actually, no. Ren is more like what would have happened to Sammy Keys if if she had she had broken bad. Yeah. You know, so, um, no, Ren is her own person, and I tried to make her voice unique. And, and like, if you compare Sammy's voice to Ren's voice, I think you'll say, yeah, they're quite a bit different. Their ages are similar, um, but I think that Ren is someone who took a wrong turn, where Sammy is someone who's continually trying, despite her circumstances, she's continually trying to do the right thing, to take the right turn. I think when I read Wild, well, well, when we all read Wild Bird, it was like, it was crazy to me because the characters felt so realistic. Like the characters just actually hit you in the heart because they were, they were written so well and so blah, blah. Like so, so many moments in that, like when um, Ren's arguing with her f- whole family because she carved a swastika oh in the piano. God. That, and that <laughs> was wild, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, that was like, oh my. My oh my goodness! Like this is crazy because it feels like this is a real argument that I'm listening in on. Yeah. Like it was bonkers. That sorry. While we were on the topic of Wild Bird, love that book. So so and that's a I mean to an author that's a huge compliment because the way that I write is I I really do just kind of dive into the emotions of my character and try to feel what it is they're feeling. Mm-hmm. I I wasn't a teen like Ren. But I worked with at-risk kids when I was a teacher, and so, so I I could you know draw back on that experience and kind of those like that energy that comes from people who are just like a little lost in the world, or very lost in the world, or have so much anger about where they are in the world. I mean, and so hearing you say that that it felt so real to you that I mean. That's the best compliment because her voice then connected to your heart. And really what I'm trying to do is connect my heart in the way that I, I feel for my characters with my reader's heart. I, that, that book was so crazy. Like I get I, the title fits it. Cause it was, just, it was a wild experience. Like it was a wild ride. I loved Dax. Oh, he's yes. <laughs> he, was a, he was such a fun character. A silly little goose. <laughs> I also, as, like, Okay, if I could speak, maybe. Obviously, for most of Wild Bird, I don't relate to, no, you know, like, smoking in the bathroom or something like that. I, you know, have been through toxic relations if I've been through toxic friendships, mm-hmm. you know. And just hearing something like that be so well-written and so well-dealt with and just powered through is so, like, inspirational to me. If that makes sense. And I feel like it could be inspirational to so many other people who are dealing with the same crap that I was dealing with. So, and I think that actually that experience is very common at some point in our growing years, especially in our teen years, where, where we, we feel betrayed by our friends or we feel heartbroken by something that has happened to us. And then we, we um, get pulled in a direction that we didn't intend to go because we're hurt and, yes, we want to have friends and we want to fit in and we want to, you know, feel like we belong somewhere. And when you've been, when your world has been shaken up by, 
by, you know, relationships that haven't worked out or friendships that have been sabotaged, then, then we just kind of, there's a tendency to sabotage ourselves because we're so lost and we don't know which way to turn. And so you just turn, you just grab onto anything that you can feel a part of. And, and sometimes that is just like the wrong way to go, which is like in wild bird, like, it's a cautionary tale, and it's something, I mean, I wrote because I, I want people who are your age and Ren's age, and I want them to, to feel like they are not alone, that what their experience is, they're, they're not going to show that to the world. They're going to put on a brave face, and they're probably not going to share that with their parents. They're probably, I mean, they're just, you bottle it all up, and so you don't know that other people are hurting too, and I think that just like having a story like Wild Bird where this, you know, Ren is not likable at the beginning of the book oh, at yeah. all. Oh, yeah. She's so angry. What do you mean? I love I Ren. Think, <laughs> I think she was more of a, like, if you liked her, it was because she was more like, I don't care what people say, but the dislikable qualities <laughs> well, was that she didn't care what people said. That's my personality, okay? That's <laughs> why I liked Ren. You're, you're not doing drogas. <laughs> like, no, uh, I don't do drugs. <laughs> I liked Ren. Well, she was... She was so angry that it was, oh, and yeah. she was so like belligerent to her parents and just like, just lashing out at everybody and blaming everybody but herself. So yeah. there are all those qualities that led her to this path, but it was because she was so hurt. And so I, I think that just having a story like this for me is important because it makes the people who are in maybe the situation that Ren is in or potentially going down the path that she's going down it gives them something to hold on to as a way out. It's like, no, I'm not alone. And maybe these are the steps that I can take to feel better that are positive as opposed to destructive. Yeah. I really liked Mo as a character. He was just yeah. really like sweet and cute. I loved him. Was, yeah, he was really <laughs> he cute. Was and his little stories that he would s- like send back yeah. to Ren. Like I thought that was so cute. That was a big so major... Your- uh, proud. For your listeners, um, it, Mo is the little brother to yeah. Ren, and and Mo is sort of a, an emotional anchor for Ren because she feels like nobody loves her, but her little brother does, Aww. and so just just their their uh, their relationship and how much he looks up to her and loves her too, and she is like the best person when she is around him. And so part of her, like, rehabilitation or wanting to not be the angry person she is is kind of based on she doesn't want her younger brother to be afraid of her. She wants her younger brother to like her. So, yeah. So that's who Mo is. We are rambling about Wild Bird. I know. (laughs) Liberty. (laughs) I'm going to turn it to Flipped now. (laughs) I had a question about Flipped, to be honest. So where did you get the idea for the Basket Boys uh, scene? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Because in the old days, Uh they used to, girls used to bring baskets. And then they would, they would, um, they wouldn't auction off the girls. It wouldn't just auction off the basket. You could buy a basket lunch, like in the old, old days. And I just thought it would be a funny twist on kind of that, where, the you know, the girls do the cooking and the boys do the whatever. So if to have the boy have to bring, even though their moms all made their lunch, right, <laughs> the, the, the boys have to bring it, and then they would be auctioned off with the basket. I just thought that was a, a twist on some kind of, you know, old American tradition. And so that's where that idea came up. And it turned out to be 
really quite funny. <laughs> I have actually, I have not seen Flipped. I've heard, I've heard it's good. Well, imagine if you did Basket Boys at our school. What, so it's, <laughs> you're just auctioning off boys? Is that what it is? I would pay. Well, I would pay. What? Liberty! <laughs> Sorry! So, Some so it's like a popularity cute. thing where the, where the school votes on who they want to have be the basket boys. And then the top 10 boys who are the most popular make the list. And the list gets posted, you know, in the hallway. And the girls all go up and squeal and see who's there and who they're going to bid on and all that stuff. And then the poor boys, they have to, you know, walk across the stage and get bid on by girls in the audience. So it's it's really quite comical. But supposedly you're bidding on the basket. But really, of course, Everyone, all the girls are bidding on who they would love to have lunch with. So. Yeah. <laughs> I felt yeah. Bryce definitely felt uncomfortable. You could see it. Oh, they all, well, who wouldn't be? But it's good to have the, the, the male in the traditionally, uh, the role that is traditionally squirmy for the female, right? So <laughs> yeah. it's just a twist on, on, you know, how things used to be. My question was, what is the process like to get like a, novel turned into a movie yeah i was i'm really curious about that well you know the author really doesn't have much to say about that yeah really it's um so it's it's so i've had two of my books turned into movies um and flip is the one that was a feature film the other one was a made for tv movie by nickelodeon um but with with flip it was that this very famous director's son was required to read my book at school. And the boy brought the book on vacation and the two of them wound up reading the book together uh, while they were flying to Hawaii. And, and that's how that started. He, the director envisioned it as like, this could be a good movie, discussed it with his son, you know, it was one of those things. Mm -hmm. And so, that's how, I mean, he read the book. It resonated with him. I think that it reminded him of his first crush. So it's, it's like a personal connection. And I think that things get made either because uh, a studio thinks there's going to be big money in it or because somebody is very passionate about a story that they've been introduced to or know. And so in my case, it, it was that this director read and loved the book and it resonated with him. And I guess the voices came across to him, right? So you got to come, come back to that. What you have on the page needs to come into a person's heart. And, and so for your writing, that's what, don't be afraid to get to the emotional kernel of what it is you're writing. Don't pull back from that because that is what's going to like really um, reach your reader. Did you like the movie? Oh, yeah. oh it's so oh. weird. It's just so weird. No, yeah. So, <laughs> bottom line, yes, yes. Don't make me, uh, I'm not trying to say no. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I feel like I got a golden ticket. I don't know. It was that Rob Reiner, who is the director of The Princess Bride, okay? He's oh. the director of Flip. That's so, crazy. Like, That's The Princess crazy. Bride is one of my favorite movies of all times. And so, oh. you know, the same director did my film or his film of my book. So, um, but seeing your book, which has been in your head for many years, yeah, turned into like uh, something like come to life and be set in an era prior to the time that you wrote the book. So 
I did not write the book as being a period piece. It is set in the movie in the 50s and 60s. Um, and I wrote it more like in the 90s. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. That, so, so going to this movie where everybody's like dressed up like they're in the 50s and 60s and it's got, got that, that instant nostalgia sort of feel to it um, was really moby and strippy in my head. It's like it was all twisted around. And so the first time I saw it, it was just kind of I left the theater feeling like, wow, that was such a bizarre experience. Yeah. Because that's my words of all of a sudden it's it's got this these multidimensional things going on. So um but the more I see it, the more I like it, which is a really good sign. Yeah. The more I appreciate especially the youth roles, the the you know, Callan McAuliffe who played Bryce and a Madeline Carroll who played Julie are just outstanding. Um, and to have young people kind of shine the way they did in that story, um, I think it's sort of a rare thing. They were, they were just phenomenal. And what's cool to me about the movie is that it has reached foreign markets that didn't know about the book. Like, Flip has been turned into probably 20, 25 maybe, um, different languages. So it, the book itself has gone around the world. But but now it has this whole new wave of awareness because the movie has been out and gone out around the world. And I get just the most emotional, touching, like, emails from people, in, in, especially in the, the whole Asian theater. That, you know, the, the, they just love this story. And it reach, it's like reaches them in a way that... Um, that isn't American. I don't know how else to put it. There's an innocence to it that, that, that they really appreciate. They appreciate the purity of the love story. They appreciate things about it that when I get fan mail from people in the United States, it's all, when's the sequel? And when, <laughs> when, when I get fan mail from people outside of the United States, it's more like what an emotional impact this movie has had on their lives and, and like how it's this perfect thing to them. So, and they don't ask for more. So it's just interesting, the different, but, but for me, just having that experience and, and having my work uh, kind of swell and, and go out around the world has been just beyond my wildest dreams. It's been great. That is so sick. Oh, Liberty. Oh, Sorry. No, if you're going to, I was just going to talk about the hoodlum uh, versus the Boy Scout story about your husband. I, yeah. when you were, when you were, when I was reading it, I was like, oh, I bet the hoodlum's going to fall in love with her. And then, yeah, it ended that way. I was like, that is such, that is like so cute I, I love it he was like oh, it was like scary but then he started asking me questions questions i couldn't answer so then i asked my boyfriend but then my boyfriend got mad at me so i was like nah and then i married the hoodlum i was like that's awesome i love the way you just summarized that that was that should be on the back of the book it was great no i thought it was such a cute story and then i thought the uh, about your car the little turkey car yeah turquoise turkey <laughs> yeah the turquoise yes. turkey that was an adorable story too i what okay what was it what was the thing that fell on you i'm sorry the, the, the clutch the clutch yeah we yeah. talked about this this morning oh man that must have been heavy I oh oh yeah, they were kind of getting pinned down by a transmission. Oh so Lord, it, Lord. It, it, <laughs> so 
but you'll notice in, so these are stories out of Hope in the Mail. And they're like the basis for something um, like a watershed moment in my life. And so the story about the car, the purpose for me telling the story about the car is sometimes your life doesn't feel good. You, 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 you know, in my case, I just felt like my parents didn't understand me and I had this issue that other girls my age didn't have to deal with and um, just all of that. But in the end, and see, and this is, I feel like this is how you should live your life. It's like, in the end, find the thing that helps you grow and focus on that. As opposed to, my parents didn't do this, my parents were this, well, you know, la-di-da-di-da, all these negative things. Instead of, instead of, like, replaying those in your mind to a point where you just feel like you didn't have, that people could have been better to you, it's like, Find the thing that made you stronger. Find the thing that, that forged you into the person that you've become. And so for me, at the end of the story about, you know, the, about my car and changing the, the throughout bearing of the clutch, having to drop the transmission, all of that, and how angry I was at my dad about him making me do all this. And then he just um, said, you got it. But the, the, <laughs> he, he gave me something more valuable than a new car. Is the, is the thing at the end of that, right? It's the, it's the takeaway. If I can frame this in a way where I appreciate what I went through, then I will live a healthier and more productive life than if I constantly fall back into the stew of how I was wrong, right? And then you just kind of, it's, so anyway, any, any of those stories that I tell in Hope in the Mail have to do with shine a light. They had to do with taking your experiences and turning and finding the positive in them and realizing that even the struggle, so for writers, even the struggle of getting someone to pay attention to the work that you've done, an agent or an editor, even that struggle will make you stronger, a better writer, and more appreciative when you do get success than someone who's just like, oh, first time I, first time I, uh, contacted an agent they accepted my work and now they've sell, they've sold it for whatever to the big publishing house and you know i'm such a success and i'm like yeah that that may not last you for a career in writing so yeah. i have 36 books and 36. i have never well okay so flip became a movie that was a huge deal and there i've had like a steady success across all these years of writing um, that if I was a flash in the pan and I got something really early on, that may not have been, you know, the course of my career. But also with the struggle came the appreciation of every little thing that I achieved. So, so look at struggle as being, you know, as, as positively as you can, even when you're in the middle of it, you say, okay, this is making me stronger. I may be exhausted right now, but in the end, it's going to make me stronger. It's always look at it for, like, this could accomplish something in the future, Abby. Okay, so, like, you wrote the Sammy Keys series, and, like, because we read about in Hope the Mail how editors just chop and hack away at every bit of your book. How do you use continuity work? Do you keep continuity? It seems, like, really hard to do with all the editors. Well, so, so I'm sorry that that was the impression you got from having read Hope in the Mail, because... So for the, my first book that got noticed, she said, cut it in half and I'll look at it again, which was, which was 
which is like cut me in half and I'll die. Okay. Um, it, it was not, it, it was, that was not received well by me, but ultimately it helped me learn to be better at editing my own work with the Sammy keys. That wasn't the case with those. That was, that was, I, I wrote the first one, got rejected, wrote the second one, got rejected, wrote the third one, got rejected, wrote the fourth one, got rejected. Ugh. But after the fourth one, I was a better writer. And I went back to the first one and I was able to see how, wow, I could really improve it. So even though the woe is me, I've been rejected, um, really, and that goes back to what I had just said. It's like you, you find the positive in it. So the positive aspect of having been rejected for all these years was that I had actually been practicing my craft and gotten better at it. I was a better writer after the fourth Sammy Keys book, even though nobody had bought any of them at that point. And so I could go back and revise and also create a continuity within the series because I knew more about Sammy after book four than I knew at the beginning of book one. So, and it ultimately went on to become an 18 book series. So that may not have happened if somebody had bought it at the get go, right? Yeah. Because I wasn't as good of a writer then as I was after the fourth book. And I still continue to grow as a writer across the series. So Liberty, yeah. we, we are going to have to end this year soon. So Liberty. Oh, right. Uh, so when we kind of talked about this this morning in our first two segments, we saw your theme um, for Hope in the Mail as perseverance. It was a great message. I just, well, when I was reading it, I was like, I really want to write right now. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you. That's exactly what I want. It's like I spent so many years doing everything the hard way. And I just felt like if I could take everything I'd learned the hard way and put it into one little book that will help people who are, starting out or don't really understand the industry or just need some encouragement to keep going, that that would, that would be really valuable to me to be able to provide that to other people. So, um, so hoping in the mail, it's like, I'm trying to give, I'm trying to um, give hope to aspiring writers, you know, in wild bird, how she's, she's got to start this. She's got to start this fire with friction. Oh yeah. I and love she that doesn't, ribbon. right. So, so, and it, it, I had this epiphany when I was writing the book, because I went and did that myself mm -hmm. to try to get that to yep. go, to, to start a fire with friction. And um, it took, it took my husband blowing <laughs> while I was blowing on my little sparks and my little mess. And it, it's a long story, but when I blew on it and it finally ignited, I had this epiphany that it, it's like we all have sparks inside us and, and to get them to ignite, we need to surround ourselves by people who are willing to be the oxygen. So having, um, I, I feel like hope in the mail is my way of trying to supply oxygen to, to people with sparks inside, to creative sparks inside them and try to help them uh, ignite their own, their own little fires. So when you say that persistence is the thing that you got from the book, um, Thank you, because you need that. That's what I, I, I want to convey. Is it, it's like the joy in the process, but don't let the negative aspect of it make you stop. You need to keep persisting in your pursuit of your dream and make sure you surround yourself like you guys do with your, your pod squad, your podcast. 
<laughs> surround yourself by people who, who see the world the way you do and are willing to be the oxygen to your spark. That is so awesome. Like, awesome. That is, it's all so <laughs> sick. Like, it's, when I was reading, when I was reading Wild Bird when I was reading Hope of the Mail, when I was reading literally everything, it was always, oh, I have an idea, let me do something. Like, constantly, I wanted to do that. I wanted to pull out my Chromebook and just start typing. Like, it was constant. Yeah. But before we end this, I have one more question. And for a Rolls Writing Room exclusive, do you have any projects in the works right now? Oh, I wanted to ask that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you could probably tell from my body of work that I'm always working on something. <laughs> so so the answer is yes. Um, and I have a... Because it, the pandemic was just so dark, and, um, and I felt like we needed something fun. <laughs> and I had just written The Peach Rebellion, which was... Which was so much work. Rolo, <laughs> Rolo was, loved that book, oh, by the he, way. He, he, he would not really stop did. talking about it, dude. I thank, thank you, because that, I mean, that book, man, that, that book, three years and out of my heart. So I know it's kind of fat. It's 400 pages. But uh, anyone that reads it, I love you. So, um, <laughs> but, so I wanted to do something lighter. And so I've, I've written this book called uh, Mr. Whiskers and the Shenanigans Sisters Ooh. for younger readers, probably. Oh um, <laughs> yeah, it's about a dog. It's told in the voice of a dog. Oh. Mr. Whiskers is a dog. And uh, the Shenanigans Sisters are, and they live in San Francisco in an old house that used to be owned by a pirate. So Ooh. anyway, it's, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's, um, it's full of dog puns. It's really funny. <laughs> and, and it's, coming out in october so. oh wow coming out oh in october gosh. soon soon that's <laughs> sick well we that's have awesome a okay Rose writing room exclusive, exclusive. <laughs> exclusive. All right. so thank you so very much for yes. taking the time out of your day to be thank on this you. silly podcast um <laughs> <laughs> thank everyone for listening oh. Thank what? Thank you guys for listening. And bye-bye. Thank, thank you for thank you for having me. You, the pod squad's awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Rollers Writing awesome. Room. <laughs> keep writing, keep dreaming, and be the be the oxygen for each other. Yes, you give us hope. <laughs> Great. Yes. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Rolo's Writing Room is a production of the 8th grade advanced English class at River Valley in beautiful Caledonia, Ohio, starring Abby, Marissa, Liberty, and Sage, with special guests Wendelin Von Dronen. Jingle by Haven, music by Keith Whitty, and artwork by Sage. We would also like to thank our lovely teacher Rolo and the staff of River Valley for making this possible. Also, we can't forget about our dads who drive us here every morning. We're very thankful for them. See you guys next time. Bye! <laughs>